All right, you guys. Today I have comedian Vic in the house. Well, he's not really in my house, but he's he was probably too afraid <laughs> to like come to the closet. But maybe if we do this again, you'll come into my closet because here I am. And he looks like he's in a very normal spot, but we're here to talk about, I don't know yet. We're going to figure it out as we go, I think. We're going to talk about life. I mean, we're going to talk about life. But yeah, excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you've been doing comedy. Um, well, first of all, are you from Chicago? Tell me, tell me, give me the, you know, your, your elevator. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I was born and raised in Naperville, just outside Chicago. Spent, you know, pretty much a lot of my childhood there. I went to school at DePaul. So then that's when I moved to the city and now I've been in the city ever since. Awesome. I live right near DePaul and I almost just said my address on my podcast. <laughs> don't do that. I, like I stopped myself. Um, someone is going to be creepy. Uh, so don't do that. <laughs> no, I won't do that. But I live right near, uh, nearish DePaul, not right near. Um, so that's, that's, it's a good neighborhood. Oh, it's great. I actually, I went to school for finance. So I've been downtown like the whole time. So the DePaul campus, there's two campuses. The business school is downtown. So I've lived and worked downtown my, my whole like Chicago life. Awesome. And is comedy your full-time thing right now? Um, it, it is not. I, it was for the better part of this year. We had stand up for like four years and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get out of the corporate world and just do this full-time. And I did it for almost a year and then realized like my standard of living is like too bougie that like I can't just off <laughs> comedy money. Um, I could have probably done it because I was making like enough money off like clubs and, and private gigs and stuff like that. But it's just not the same as like a stable nine to five check. Totally. Comedy is weird because there's like a huge jump in pay once you get like it's like you get no money for a long time. And then suddenly you're like on Netflix. Like there's like the, there's not really an in between really. I mean, I'm doing like well, but it's not enough to cover. Like I, I just spend money on dumb things. What's the dumbest thing recently that you spent money on? I like, I love um, like whiskey. So every month I'll buy like a bottle of whiskey. And that's not dumb. I was thinking like the chillo or some like. You well, know, like- that's what I'm saying though. It's dumb because of cost. Like it's like I'll spend too much. And like I'm supposed to be a comedian. Like we don't we need fancy stuff. But I'm like the white collar comedian. I have a, yeah, I, I like that. That's how I felt when I was doing open mics and I would like roll up in my Mercedes <laughs> and like there was like a line of dudes, you know, 20 something year old dudes standing outside. Yeah. And I'd be like, hey guys. A woman, first of all. And then second to be like, oh, you have like resources. That's crazy. Like, <laughs> I, know, yeah. right? I mean, it, it's interesting because like it actually makes a lot of sense to do it with a structured nine to five job because comedy is such, everything's at night. So. It, I'd rather have the stability of like knowing when I have to go to work and come back and then I can structure my whole day around like what I have at night. So a lot of people are like, how do you do it? I mean, it's still, it's an insane life, but it's like, it's doable. And I feel, but you have to do it. You have to like, I feel like to be really good at it, you have to commit to it and you have to actually do it. And I think that's where I got messed up because I had my two kids and it was just, I was just tired. I mean, especially when you're tired, uh, you spend so much time, like people don't realize you're like waiting for open mics. Like you may wait two, three hours for four minutes on stage. And you're in that kind of mindset. Like that's how you are as a comedian for like a year. Like it takes like about a year of doing that to get really recognized and noticed until you start getting booked. And then like I do now probably like anywhere from like five to 10 shows a week. But on Friday and Saturday, I'm doubling up. So I'm running from show to show. I'm only at these shows for like 20, 30 minutes. Like I'm doing my spot and then I'm going to the next one. But 
So I can do that. But if I was starting now, I'd been like too busy. Like I would have been no way I was. In. Yeah. <laughs> right. Did you always know you wanted to do comedy? Um, I actually didn't. Like I, I think a lot of people don't realize like this is before like crashing and like Marvel Sisters Maisel was out on TV. So I think people didn't, at least for me, I didn't know like comedy was a career. Like I know I would grew up watching like the daily show and like mad TV SNL. But I never like, and I would watch stand up. Like I had this like crazy uncle who would show us like George Carlin when we were like ten. It was like super inappropriate, but <laughs> he would show us like George Carlin, like at like Scarface, like movies and like media. But like it really, I think shaped like who I was because I was like, this is awesome content, and I want like more of it. But I didn't see it as a career. I just thought of it as like entertainment. It wasn't until um, I took an improv class in college that I was like, oh, this is like anyone can just do this. Like it's not gonna be good, probably, but anyone can anyone can do it. And then I was like, you know what? I've been listening to so much stand up, and uh, then I just did my first open mic. Like I think it was like a year out of college, and it was like horrendous. And I was like, so anybody can do it. That doesn't mean everybody should do it. <laughs> and, uh, and totally. Then, like I gotta like either train to get better at this, or I just gotta not do this again. And I ended up going to Second City and doing their whole improv program. And while I was doing the improv program, I started doing open mics like really aggressively. So I had the kind of second city like improv training where I had my like my team and it was all supportive. But then I was just going to open mics off by myself and um, some of my team would come. So I kind of had this nice like support system as I was doing. Because uh, as you know, I'm sure like open mics are rough. They're so rough. I feel like there's there's got to be something in our brains that's just not right that makes us continually seek that out. It's sadistic for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think it's like the high and the rush you get from making someone laugh on stage is so hard to top that you're willing to go through like the misery of like like, night after night of like, right. And like doing shows like two people and like just waiting and and being tired because you really have to want this, I think, to, to do it. It's not like fun for a long time. It's really rough. It's really rough. I I think when someone calls me funny or says I'm funny, it's like the best compliment of my, like you could tell me, I remember an ex-boyfriend was like, he was talking about another girlfriend and he was like, she was, you know, I knew she was pretty, but then one day he said she was funny. And I was like, wait, what? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You dated another funny girl. Was she as funny as I was? You know? Yeah. That's like the real threat. Like I have a real threat. I have a joke about like, I'm trying to write this joke about this, but I feel like it's coming across too mean. I'm like, I'm like, I don't care if I like, like my girlfriend is talking to someone who's like hotter than me. I'm like, but if he's funnier than me, I'm like, that's when I need to step in. Like, look, this is a real threat. I'm like, because you can be like ugly, but if you're ugly and not funny, like good luck. Like you better get a personality. I don't know what to tell you. I know, right? Yeah, that's like the ultimate, the ultimate compliment for me. Um, So what do you like? What's your, you, you perform at Zany's, you tour. Like, what are your, what have you got coming up in the next, like, month? Is it, like, super busy? I saw online that you had, like, you have, like, Yelp reviews. Yeah, so I, um, (laughs) basically, like, this time of year, there's tons of, like, company holiday parties. Like, people are doing, they're getting married. There's a lot of, like, private events. So a whole part of comedy that people don't really see or think of is, like, these, this corporate and private side, which is actually where, like, a lot more money is. Like, I work I didn't know about this. Enlighten me. Yeah. All the clubs in Chicago, which is just like, think of a standard stand up, which is great, but I can do one like wedding and make like as much money off that. And what I mean by that is like, you can MC get hired to MC a wedding and basically just like, you know, make it entertaining, like 
be the person who's introducing everything and you'll get paid like a ton of money for that. And they're usually like, some of these private gigs can be really rough, but they usually pay really well and then they lead to more. So it's like kind of this referral system that I've built up. Um, so me and like my other two producers like that I work with, we tend to like work as a team. It uh, depends on what they want, but we'll basically build a lineup for like whatever show. So we'll like roast people on their birthday. We'll do that. Like we'll do all sorts of custom comedy. And that's really where like we've been able to get these like websites that are gig websites. Like, like they think you probably saw something on gig salad or thumbtack, which are basically it's kind of like, yeah, like a Yelp, but for comics or for entertainers. And then once you get a few reviews, it works like Angie's list where you just rise to the top. So I've been doing these now for like a couple of years. So um, I have a pretty good like base of reviews and they're, and as you just get more, you get better at it. But, um, you know, you just show up and they're already excited because it's like comedy in their living room or something. Uh, and they can be, like I said, weird and sometimes rough. But doing them with, like, my co-producer it always makes it, like, we can commiserate in the misery together if it bombs. But it's usually fun. So this time of year, I'm doing a lot of that. I'm working, like like I said, the clubs here in Chicago. I'm doing some, like, out-of-town stuff. I'm actually going to San Francisco for Sketchfest next January. Oh, awesome. So I'm really excited for that. That's like a really prestigious comedy festival. So I'm going to be there for a week doing shows. Um, I'll post like I posted all the dates on my Facebook page, but I'm going to make like a, a nice promo for it. And uh, then I'm headlining a show at the Laugh Factory. So I'm doing 30 minutes, which is like awesome. So um, I like I'm probably sure you went on my Facebook page. It's like it's insane. Like I, I, people always ask me like what my next dates are. And I'm like, just go there. Just go. You're like, I don't know. And then when you find out, tell me. I live on my calendar. I just like pull it up. I'm like, what bullshit do we have to do today? Like that's, that's how you operate as a comic. What is like the norm? So you probably don't have a normal day. Do you try to write every day? Like what's your, walk us through a day. It kind of varies. I mean, I try to, I think structure is important. Like I'm someone who works well when I know like what things I have to get done that day. But it sometimes can be tough because you're like, you have to focus on so many things as a comedian. Like there's always this like goal of like, I need to get on this thing or I need to get on that show. But really what I found that works the best is just like micro goals, like trying to set something to accomplish like by, by the end of the week or like two weeks. And I want to work on this joke, like starting that level, as opposed to like, I want to be on Netflix. Like maybe that's the high, highest goal. How do you get there? It's like, what are the smaller things you can accomplish? So I try to um, look at my like calendar and I'm like, okay, I got to like, go to work, like be a normal person for a little bit. Then I'm like, here's the comedy stuff I have to do. I got to, you know, host the show. Like, am I ready for that? What material am I going to do? Do I want to run some new stuff? Because as a host, you can take some liberties and, you know, throw out premises and stuff. Um, so I kind of look at the workload of the shows for that week or that day. And I kind of structure around it. I try to write, um, I try to do something comedy related that's not performing every day. So whether that's writing or listening to sets, like, after I've recorded them to get better and, and look at the material I've done um, that maybe it's applying to shows like emailing bookers, like, cause you're doing, you're doing everything as a comedian, you're promoting yourself, you're, you know, you're booking your own gigs, um, you're writing your own material. Like unless you're super famous, you have people to do all that stuff sometimes, or you're doing it yourself too, but you have to do all parts of it. So I think a lot of people fail on the back end work. Like they don't promote themselves enough. Like I know so many funny people that will never get, like more than two shows a month because you just don't put the work in. I feel like you need to be an inspirational speaker for comedians. Like you're so organized. You need you need like an online course or something. Yeah. Like this is like, yeah. you're so organized. It's insane. I mean, I'm also like an insane person. So okay. I, like, yeah. I, we're like OCD and like 
I'm neat. I'm like the opposite of what most people think of when they think of comedian. But you really are. I yeah. think that's why I've been able to like be successful, at least here, like in the short term, because it's like I was able to be organized and like attack it like I attack a job. Like here's my day. Here's things I'm going to do. Because most people don't have that like structured nine to five background. Like I was a director of a startup. Like I had to you know do a ton of shit. So I kind of knew. I try to apply that rigor to stand up. That's what I try to do at least. Yeah, that sounds like it's been working. What uh, What do you do in your day job right now? So I work in um, HR. I'm basically like the head of recruiting at a, uh, a startup here in Chicago. And I've been doing that for, this is a new job I was talking about for like last couple months, but I've been doing recruiting for the last few years, but I took like almost a year off and got out of the game and now I'm back. They pulled me back in. So awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So, do you have advice for someone who it doesn't have to be comedy, you know, anything that they're because comedy really is a passion. It's not something that I feel like a lot of people start it because they really want to do it. Like we said, it's not something that's easy. So, maybe it's not comedy, but if it's something that they really feel called to do, do you have advice for someone that wants to start something but doesn't really know how or where? Yeah. I mean, I think just doing it at the lowest level is always a safe kind of way. Like do it where the stakes are very low. So for comedy, there's no barrier to entry, really. I mean, you could go, anyone can go to an open mic and sign up. Um, it, I think a lot of people look at their passions and see this like huge like endeavor. They're like, Oh, I got to do all this stuff and I got to get here. But it's like, you can scale that back and look at like, Oh, maybe I just need to go and do this one thing. And that's like the start of it and get a kind of a feeling for it. So comedy is like that with open mics. Like some people are like, I got to do this big show. I'm like, no, you're, you're not going to get booked on a show, first of all, when you first start. So like, just go to an open mic for free, probably do badly, and then either do it again or just quit and save us all the trouble, you know? <laughs> like, it's, and I think other things are like that too. Like, I mean, I'm a big like proponent of like working out. And I think like discipline comes from that. And people are always like, oh, I have this goal. I want to like become this person, this like fitness icon, or I want to like, look a certain way and it's like just run around the block like do one thing you know and, and I think a lot of people look at goals like I said like in these big kind of uh massive like two five-year plans but it's like look at micro goals that you can do to get there and I think it's like sub goals if you want to call it that because I think a lot of people get intimidated by like a passion if they if they see it as this huge endeavor but I think if you make it smaller and be like oh like I just have to get one thing done today that will help me towards my goal. Uh, it makes it a lot more like palpable. And I think, I think there's like everything can be broken down that way. Um, whether it's comedy, whether it's like some other passion you have, but yeah, we don't need more comedians though. So don't do that. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, I feel like most of my followers aren't comedians, so that's good. Um, but I always tell people, I don't know, it's kind of like my bar thing, like my spiel. Like I think people like get surprised when semi-attractive people are comedians like women and they're like what no way wait what you and then they'll inevitably be like well I've always wanted to do comedy or I would and I always say that if you if you really want to do it I think you should at least try it I think you should at least like let yourself try it because I tell people to like not even if they want to be comedians but just like as a life thing I think everyone yeah. take like an improv class like because it's so helpful for communication for like getting out of your comfort zone getting out of your own head like so many people are literally just constantly in their own head all the time like literally right. anxiety and it's like getting doing an improv class forces you to be in the moment all the time 
that's applicable to anything. Your corporate job, it can be applicable to comedy, it can be applicable for relationships. Like it's helpful in all areas of your life. So just take like a, a intensive at Second City. It's like half a day. See if you like it. And if you like it, take like you can take the course and it's like pretty low commitment. So um, it's really things like that where you take the first step. And, and like you said, just try it. Like what's the what's the worst that could happen is you don't like it. At least you figured out that like rather than feel guilty for not trying it or, or like have, you know, remorse or regrets and like, oh, I didn't do this one thing. And uh, now I always wonder if I could have been this great comedian, but I just didn't do that open mic, you know? Right, totally. Right. I did. I took the improv classes in my 20s, as people do. And I remember like this just sense of dread before every single class. And I would just be so nervous. But then afterwards, I always felt amazing. And that would last for a couple of days until the dread would start again. And then but it was a cycle. That's that's like you're a comedian. If you have kind of feeling of like, yeah. <laughs> like excitement, but also like when you're not on stage or not in the class, you're like, oh, this is horrible. Exactly. Yeah, I would feel so nerd. I don't know. I think I was like a people pleaser growing up. And so I needed comedy to like sort of get me out of that. Like, and now I do it for moms, like a lot of, you know, like I just like the circuit that I'm in. And so, but I am dying to just get somewhere, you know, just some place where nobody knows me, just a dark club and just tell stories that would make the other moms like fall over, you know, like just like. Yeah, you should go like. I'm, I'm like, I don't know what you could do, like go in like a wig or something, like a disguise yeah, totally. um, and be like a drop in, you know, and, and then try it. Uh, or you can go to like an open mic. And but then the problem is it's probably going to make like that might make you feel depressed if you go with these like great mom stories. You're talking like four white dudes who are in their 20s. Yeah, that was my issue. But I also felt like dudes like live a little like you can't be funny if you don't, you know, it'd be the same kind of stories like, oh, I was drunk or da 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 da. And it's these 20 something guys that really haven't even lived. There's really, it's just not funny. Like go live a life. There's something to that, like where people, if you do comedy every day and you're only going to open mics and you're new, then all your comedy becomes about comedy. Like, it's like, oh, I was at the show the other day. I was at the, I'm like, but a normal person can't relate to this. Like, then you see those people at a show and to your point, like it's the same three topics and the audience is like, this is not even relatable to us. Like, being relatable is the number one thing in comedy. Like you have an angle because you're a mom. Like, of course, there's millions of mothers out there. Like that's automatically relatable. So you have to make material, I think, that's relatable. Like obviously you want to stay true to what you think is funny, but you also need to understand you're an entertainer. Like your job is to make the audience laugh. At the end of the day, that's like your primary job. And I think a lot of people think I'm like, I'm just trying to, what other comics find funny is what I'm going to talk about. It's like, yeah, but comics are not normal human beings like we are insane so it's us laugh might be like horrible like i always think of it like if if this is like a level five and it's like really dark and like gross and like crazy like you would need to hit a five at an open mic to get a reaction from a comedian but you hit like a two on the same topic at a normal audience that's like the equivalent of a five for a normal person absolutely oh that's really good yeah yeah you almost have to walk yourself back sometimes because you're like oh i'm gonna go to this crazy place here i'm like no you gotta start here work your way up slowly the audience needs to trust you um you can't just come out like swinging which i think a lot of people do and then they're like oh man they didn't like when i said that i'm like yeah because you just are a stranger and you're saying crazy stuff i think do you think people get uncomfortable like i've noticed I'm not a huge risk taker in that way. I use I usually like to process things before I talk about them, but 
I think people get uncomfortable when comics share something that they haven't processed, like, uh, like for instance, a divorce or, um, you know, something that happened in their health. And then I think people sense that you're uncomfortable. And I think people like want to laugh, but then they're afraid to laugh because they don't want to hurt your feet. I don't know. It's this weird thing that I've noticed. It just gets awkward. And I like awkward. I do, but. But there's a line between awkward and uncomfortable. Uh, Yeah, that's totally true. I think, like you said, if someone hasn't, like, if they're grappling with it on stage and it's not, like, worked out in the sense of, like, it's so raw that you can feel that they're going through it right now, the audience can, because the audience is, like, empathetic, so the audience can feel that tension. So if you're, like, and also if there's no joke or payoff, it's, like, going to be horrible. It's just going to be, like, sad or whatever it may be. So you really have to, like, I think those bits can pull the audience in, like, really close to you. You can be, like, you can get to a serious spot, and then you can have this huge punch when you, like, go left field or, you you know, you, you take a, a crazy deviation. So you can get to those points where it's, like, that silence right before you deliver this huge punchline, and, and the audience is, like, that tension and release is there, and that's, like, the audience needs that because they're looking for that. But if you don't have that, then it's, like, oh, now we just feel bad for you, and now we're, like, we're laughing, but, like, to be polite, and, like, that's what you want, you know? Um so it's all about, I think, uh, I think being genuine on stage is like the number one thing. Like, you know, you have to be like immediately likable. And if you're not likable, you have to like make it understood that you're a character and you're not just like this person who's hates everything. Like that's your character. You know, it's not like it, it has to be so much. I feel like sometimes that people understand that it's like a joke because otherwise you just come across as like you're really depressed or you're angry. But if you're like super angry, like Bill Burr, like people know he's like ranting. Like they know the style of comedy, but um, yeah, I've seen it happen where audiences can get really uncomfortable because a performer is uncomfortable with the material they're talking about too. Like if you're not confident in how you're delivering it, then the audience is going to sense that and then they're going to lose like faith in you. So it's like this kind of this relationship you have with the audience. Like you always have to come out confident. Like even if you're not confident, you have to kind of fake it and the audience won't know, but they'll trust you more because they're like, Oh, this guy, I mean, like I know they seem shaky and depressed right now, but they're going to, we know that it's going to lead somewhere, you know? So we'll right. go for the journey. Right. But if you don't do that and like you waver, that's when like the audience will come and be like, Oh, we've lost all faith. Yeah. What is your style? Like, what is your style on stage? Are you observational? Do you, are you're not a character? Like you seem like you're, you don't play a character. You're just no, yourself. I love myself. Um, I think, um, I think I'm just like a heightened version of myself. So it's not really a character. It's still me, but it's kind of like, um, I kind of, feel like I say the things that like everyone wants to say, but I'm like, I'm kind of like this, like, it's like someone described it to me once. They're like, you're a charming asshole. Like that is your description. So I'm kind of like this, like I'm pushing the boundaries a little bit. It's a little edgy, but it's like, it's also stuff that we all like have thought at one point or, or wanted to say. And I'm just like putting myself in that place where I'm saying it. And I think it's relatable because it's all stuff that people have wanted to do or thought. Um, but it's also like, I like getting a little absurd with it too. So like some of it is like, it's a lot of observational relationship stuff and like, you know, like topical, like new stuff. But then I take it to like sometimes an absurd degree where I'm like, Hey, here's this like thing that we all know to be true. And let's start here and I'll get you on my side. But then I'll be like, let's take this drastic measure. And like, what if we did this? And like, this is clearly a joke, but it's like funny because it's based on this relatable thing. Like I had this joke uh, to kind of demonstrate that about, like ugly couples, I feel like ugly couples, you always see them engaging in PDA. Like it's never a hot couple. Never. Yeah. 
always <laughs> ugly people. And I'm like, I think they're telling the world, like, we may be gross, but we found love and you didn't, idiot. Like, we're, <laughs> so they're putting it out there, they're showing off. And I'm like, what if, what if we did this thing where, depending on how attractive you are on a scale of one to 10, that's how many seconds you should be allowed PDA. So if you're 10, <laughs> like, take your time, go crazy, use tongue, whatever. But if you're at one, like, you better touch pinkies and keep it moving. That's awesome. I love that. So obviously, like, this is absurd. Like, no one's ever going to implement that. But you're brought into that world because, like, the first part of that bit is like, oh, yeah, I, I think about all the people I've seen make it out this week. It's never been someone I've wanted to see. Like, this is a believable premise. I'm going to go with him on this journey to be like, like, obviously, I don't hate ugly people. but <laughs> Right, 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 right. You hate watching them make out, though. Yeah, I hate, I'm like, I don't need to see this. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't like PDAs in general. I don't think I've ever seen a hot couple make out now that I think, like, about, think it. about it. You really have because yeah. it's like they don't need to. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're so hot. They're just they're they've made out so much in private that it's yeah, just old like, at well, that we, point. We're done. Right. Uh, we're just <laughs> it's over. Yeah. So I think that's what I try to do. Um, I mean, I definitely like I definitely like um getting like that reaction like i don't think i i i'm not like a shocking comedian by any means but mm -hmm. i'll i love playing with that tension release like i'll say something that's clearly like oh how is he gonna get out of this like puts him in a corner a little bit but i'm delivering it with a confidence and like a, a way where i'm like so sure of the next step that the audience is like all right even though he's being kind of crazy like we know he's gonna go here so that's if i do like some racial material or something like that yeah and I rarely get like challenged for it. I think if you're not confident when you deliver that stuff, the audience will like call your bluff in a way and they'll be like, Oh, you don't, you're not going to go through with this. But I'm like, No, I'm going to talk the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, um, you do like doing crowd work? Love it. Um, yeah, you've seen probably on my Instagram. Uh, I got a lot of good <laughs> crowd work interaction. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah. Kind of going to what I was saying, like, I love the, that awkward tension and release. And I feel like crowd work is a perfect, like a lot of people think crowd work is you got to come up with a joke on the fly and like respond to someone. But a lot of crowd work is just being able to sit in the moment and like kind of win in this audience interaction, but not, not like losing confidence. Like if you ask someone a question and they don't respond rather than rush to fill the silence, just sit there, wait for them to repeat it. The audience is probably going to laugh because what they're going to say is dumb anyway, but now everyone can hear it rather than the first four people. So kind of knowing in the moment, like when to say something, when to not, um, but also like calling people out, like when it seems like it's bullshit, like immediately, like being mm -hmm. hyper present. Um, like there was some weird stuff at a show where this woman was like hated on people from Rockford. And then I asked her the question, I'm like, what, what's wrong with Rockford? And she launched into the story about how her best friend's ex is from Rockford. And then I just like let her go for like 30 seconds. And then at the end of the 30 seconds, I was just like, this woman is crazy. Like it was like, super, <laughs> like it was super obvious that it, it initially, like, everyone was thinking that probably. Yeah. Like I'm like, what? Like no one thought this, like, how is that the connection to Rockford? I'm like, this is just a you problem. Like you're crazy. Like you're the problem. But it's like, if I rushed to cut her off and try to be funny immediately, like I might've not gotten there. Like it might've made me look like an asshole, but now the audience is like, Oh, this woman is just a crazy person. Um, so it was way funny to hear her say it. And crowd work though is like, it's great because it's all in the moment. So it's like people feel like they're part of something because it's never going to happen again. So um, it's like, that's why what improv, when you see good improv, it's all in the moment. The audience is involved. That's why they love it so much is like, they feel like they're part of the show more so than just like, oh, this guy wrote this jokes and, and delivered it, you know? 
Um, but it, it, crowd work can go wrong too. And, and you need to know when to pull out or like when to back down. Um, uh, cause it can be super uncomfortable. If you see it done poorly, that's like talking about being uncomfortable on stage. I've seen audience and performers alike, like just get so uncomfortable. Have you ever taken it too far with someone like in the crowd that you're just like, Oh shit, did I just say that? Or did I? Yeah. Like I think sometimes, um, a couple times it's happened when I was, cause the only way to practice crowd work is to do it. Right. Like, it's not like an open mic where you can go and do it because it's all comedians. So you can't talk to comedians like Yeah, I mean they're not even making eye contact. They're like, like no <laughs> they don't care. They're drinking. Right. And if you go to a show, like, well, I can't just if it's not my show or it's like an important show, I'm not gonna like risk doing crowd work on the show and, and mess up the show, right? So you have to kinda like I was lucky because I run a few shows, so I, I was able to like set up these kind of practices for this where I'm like, I have ten minutes, I'm gonna go on stage with six minutes. The rest of those four minutes, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do through crowd work. Like, I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to riff. I'm going to put myself in an awkward situation to get out of it. Um, so that's how I got better at it was doing that and just hosting a bunch, like constantly asking to host mics, shows. Um, and that's how what got me better at it. But I think for me, it was like there's been moments where I've read the situation wrong. Like I was doing crowd work and this guy had like kind of like a scar on his head. And I was like, oh, what happened, sir? Did like, did you fall? I'm like, is everything okay? Like, it was kind of like this tongue in cheek thing. I was like, help him. And then he was just like, he was not really saying what happened. He was like, yeah, you know, I had something that happened and he was kind of being, and then it was getting like funnier because he was kind of going, he kept like not really saying what it was. And the audience was like, now we're all curious. Like what happened? Like, um, you know, what was going on? And then it turns out he's like, oh, I had like, I had cancer and I like had surgery like two days ago. Oh God. And then it was like super uncomfortable. Cause now we all, I look like a huge asshole. Cause I'm like making this person who's clearly in like recovery, like explain their life. So immediately I was like, I was like, Oh, well we're going to move on from him. Like I was like, we got to, you know, quickly turn. And I was like, right. I'm like, that, that'll be the end of the crowd work for the show. Like I like kind of recover. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Moments like that where I've either, um, I would either like misjudge the situation. Um, but I think for the most part, going back to being genuine, like as long as you call it out, like that you're the problem, I think that's the, like be self-deprecating like at all, all times if you can, because that way the audience is like, doesn't feel like they're the, they're the victim, you know, um, make it about you be like, Hey, look, I messed up. And I think the longer you do comedy, the more comfortable you are with admitting that on stage. And that's what leads to good, honest moments. I think. That's awesome. Do you, so are, are, what's your relation? Are you married? Are you dating? What's your relationship? I'm, uh, I'm not married. No way. I feel like this probably makes you really good at dating. Yeah. It, it, yes and no. Um, it does because I think you can read people. You can communicate with everybody, right? Like you're used to being like on. The problem is you're also like, everything is like a game because for you, you're like, oh, this is like, I'm just trying to win this date. Like, I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to get like three laughs. Like, you you ruin dates at sets. Like one of my friends uh, who's like also a comedian, he's like, he was newly single. And I remember he was like going on like three dates a week. And he was like, yeah, it's like going to open mics. He's like, I got my opener. He's like, I got my middle stuff, my filler. He's like, I got my closer. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm running the same set three times a week. He's like, I just changed it. He's like a Mad Lib. I just changed out the words. Oh my God. That's amazing. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So that's a problem. It's like, you get, you got to realize like you're not on stage all the time. You got to be a human. Um, comedy like we were saying at the beginning is so all-consuming that you're constantly kind of thinking about it 
and you got to also find someone like who likes comedy. Like a lot of comics, it's hard to find that because some people like say they like comedy, but they don't realize like comedy is not always like this glamorous stuff. Like you're doing shows at bar shows, like three people sometimes. So you got to right. find someone who's compatible with that kind of lifestyle and, and likes really is a fan of comedy. At least that's what for me I found to be good. Do you feel like people come to your day? Like, because everyone Googles everyone, right? Now, before they meet. So they know, I mean, you know a little bit about someone. Yeah. Do they like, do you feel ever feel pressure? Like, oh my God, I've got to be funny or like. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, it's pressure, but it's also relief because even like, if if I had to hide that side of myself, like the comedy side all the time, it's like, that's like more anxiety for me. So it's nice when people are like, it's all out there. Like it's all on the table. Like, right. you know, I do this. If you don't like the material, like, let's just not go on this date. Well, and you have these nice Yelp reviews. So people like probably feel safe, like you're not a murderer. Correct. Yeah. I feel like it would be better if they had these reviews for date, like for dating. Like they should make a website that's like, he showed up on time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they should add his wallet. Like that should be a <laughs> subsection. It's like a rating. Like other people went on dates like, hey, we went on one date. He was nice. Like he showed up. He paid. Like, you know. <laughs> He got me an Uber at the end of the night, you know, like whatever it is. But like, I feel like that's a good idea. I think something like that exists. Of course it does. Yeah. But it's like for sex. It's like this person was good. And it's like this person, you know. Yeah, I don't care about that. I just care if you're on time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. There's the next idea for you. There we go. Dope ass dating. Dope ass dating. Dating. Yeah. Website. With a Yelp review, complete with Yelp reviews. Complete with a full uh, review system. Yeah. And if, and if you're better, you rise to the top. And if you're shitty, you just get filtered out. You can only handle yeah. reviews and then you're kicked off the platform. <laughs> and you have the ability to like to respond to negative comments. So you can be like, I'm so sorry. Your time with me was not what you. <laughs> be, it would just be a bunch of people like defending themselves though. Because oh, dudes will never admit fault. It's going to be so many people just being like, well, you know what? Maybe uh, you should have, like, you know, like, been hotter. Like, it would have been... Right. It would, like, <laughs> right. So, but you yeah. can tell a lot about someone by their response. I don't know. I feel like it would be a lot of really good information on, like, a lot of levels. It was funny because I was... I had a podcast. Um, it was a dating podcast, and I did it with a couple other Chicago comedians. And we would have, like... We had, like, a dating coach on, and we would, we would just basically... This is when I first were, kind of started doing comedy. So I was, like... I was, like, only had shows, like once every few weeks so i was like partying all the time i would like go out to the show and then it'd be this big thing i'm like i just did the show let's go get drunk like it was like this cool like it was fun it wasn't like a job it was more of like this lifestyle so i was like oh i'm a comedian now i'm like aloof and cool but i'm like doing bar shows in like lincoln park like it wasn't <laughs> cool thing. but i was like i thought i was just like it, it yeah. was crazy lifestyle so we would every weekend we'd record an episode and we just debrief all the debauchery from like the weekend and all that is like online. So, so it's like, I remember, oh, man. Yeah. I remember I went on a date and we talked about the date on the podcast and the girl listened to it and was like pissed off. She's like, that's not what happened. Like she called me. She was like freaking out. Her friends all listened to it. They're all like, it was, but he's so funny. Like it was like really, interesting. <laughs> like, it created this whole drama in the back end. But I was like, look, like I'm going to use things in my life in comedy. Like that's what being a comedian is. So, right. Like, that's the risk you run of dating the comedian is like, you make end up in a joke. Like, it's just the nature of the business. Like, you use your life. Like, you use your life on whatever, you, you know, all the stuff you do. It's going to happen. It's like. Exactly. Yeah. I still feel like I have to make disclaimers. I use, I, I make fun of, my, I don't make fun of my mom a lot, but I make 
jokes about, you know, our relationship and I never want her to think like, you know, it's heightened, right? Like it's obviously what happened is um is not that funny. It's your take on it. So I always tell her that. I'm like, just, you know what, just don't listen to this or I'm not ripping on you. It's just you happen to be a funny character. I yeah. You're like, this is also like keep my mom, I'm an entertainer. I need to get these views. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I mean, obviously again, being a podcast, like you ha- you're dialing up everything, right? You're like, right, right, you're right. Like you're, um, um, I did, I did such stupid stuff. I remember I had a first date. I, me and the girl both came on air together on the podcast. Oh, that's amazing. And we debriefed. Like I talked about the date from what I thought how it went, and she talked about how she thought she went. And it was like really interesting, actually, because like I was like, oh yeah, there was this moment, and this girl's like, I didn't even pick up on that. Like I don't know what you're talking about, but like for her, she's like oh, I actually didn't like when you did this. And I thought it was like a cool move or something. So it was really nice to kind of actually have that. That was kind of cool. But actually, I think that's amazing. That's actually a really good way to know somebody and know your relationship. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's also like when you're doing it in front of other people, I think there's like this element of like, they they questioned both of us. So like they dove deeper. So it wasn't just me being like, well, what you think? Because you're going to then give me like a filtered response. But it's like when other people are asking you, it was kind of more honest, um, but it that did not last after that because we've learned too much about each other like too soon. Like you got to build up to the to the negative. Right, right. Like we learned all the bad stuff up front, and I'm like, oh, like that's what that meant. I'm like, this is not going to work out at all. Yeah, there is something nice about the mystery of it, right? Like the oh, she, I don't know what she's thinking. What is he thinking? Yeah, I, I don't know, but it if is interesting. Like, to your point, it was like it saved a lot of time. Like I could have spent probably a yeah. person and figured all that out. You know, maybe it was. And I don't now. My time is very limited, so like I'm all about efficiency. I'm like, look, just here's this. Give me the spark notes. You know, <laughs> right, right. So give me, give me your Yelp review. <laughs> give me your, give me your five best and your five worst. Yeah, I want to know from both sides. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I think we have an idea here. Is that podcast still happening, that dating podcast? So it it was, it's not anymore um, because of like literally ruining every relationship I ever had during that time period. <laughs> point where like it was so much. Uh, but then we all got busy, like everyone who runs it. Um, one guy was like a sketch and improviser guy and one person, the other two people were stand-ups. And we like just all, one person moved and then the other, like me and the other sketch guy got really busy. So um it was just like too hard to maintain because we'd like drink on the podcast. Like we'd have like, it would be like a three hour, like it was really fun. It was, it was a nice way to relax. But now we're also like, I'm not going out like that anymore. Like I don't have yeah, story. Yeah. Like all my stories are like crazy people coming up to me after shows. Like it's not exciting anymore. It's like weird. So Right. And day drink. I hate day drinking. I think it's the worst. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Someone asked me for like if I wanted to have a glass of wine the other day. I was like, it's noon. Like, no, I, I have to nap after that. Like, I have so much to do. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather like have the night. I'd rather do all the stuff I need to get done and then drink. Same. Yeah. Maybe late. Maybe I don't know. Another point in my life, I'll be into it. But I feel like I've never been into it. When people, you know, going out for like St. Patrick's Day in Chicago used to be such a big deal. We'd go get our t-shirts and we'd go to brunch at like. 10 and when everyone would start drinking and i'm like no i don't yeah, like, I, don't I don't understand like also like 
it's never like nothing all the fun shit happens at night like yeah. what are you hoping for at 2 p.m to happen you know like right exactly yeah i agree <laughs> no one's ever met like it you you want to go out at night that's when like cool stuff happens like it's right. fun to do anything during the day like even for comedy like comedy i've done comedy at like noon and, yeah like, early and it's always weird i mean it can work well in certain situations but for the most part people try to do like brunch shows and they're okay but it's like it's just not the time for it, you know? It's not. I agree. Someone someone s- suggested that to me just with my lifestyle. They're like, you should do like daytime shows for moms. And I'm like, oh my God, no, that sounds horrible. You want to give the moms like a night off so they can feel. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The yep. only time it's fun to drink during the day is if you're at like, I don't know, like a place that's like set up for that, like Bagatelle in New York or you know what I mean? Like a brunch, drunk brunch place. That's the only time it's okay. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been so fun. Thank you um, yeah. for coming on. And tell, um, yeah, tell my listeners where they can find you, um, like online, offline, your website and your yes. your at handle. You can find me on um, Instagram and Facebook at VP Comedy. That's like V as in Vic, Pandia Comedy, VP Comedy. And that's my Facebook. I have all my shows listed on the pin post. So just like hit me up if you want to come to something, I'll tell you if it's worth coming to. <laughs> and, awesome, uh, yeah. Uh, Instagram, yeah, I post like pretty regularly on there about other things. And if I remember with the working clubs here, I can usually score free tickets. And um, so just let me know if you want to come to something. And my website, um, where you can see like clips and, and more stuff and credits and all that stuff, is teamuscomedy.com slash Vic. Um, Team Us Comedy is my like company here in Chicago. We produce a ton of stuff, and we have an album out that debuted number one on iTunes. So check that out. Um, that's called Friends with Four One K Benefits. I saw, I saw, I mentioned that in your intro. That's yeah. amazing. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's out. That came out this year. We recorded it like a couple of years ago. So um, you can listen to that on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. And um, yeah, come to a show and tell me tell me that you came from this and. Um, we, I love to, and then you'll do more podcasts because you'll see that it's, it's yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is like honestly, like this is the most normal podcast. Like I said, I've done so. Oh, that's awesome. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. No, it's good. <laughs> you know, comedians will always try to be like, oh, this is a podcast where we're like we talk about what the Earth would be like if it was like run by lizards. I'm like, why are we doing? I can't. Yeah, live yeah. I feel like you gave some really legit advice. Yeah. And if, you're, no, and if if you are thinking about doing stand-up after hearing me do it, please don't. Again, I really don't want to deal with more people doing this. That's hilarious. So the takeaway is don't do it. Don't do it. Anything but this. Yeah, take yeah. it. Take that advice and apply it to something else. Yeah. A good, a good passion. We need other help in other areas of the world. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Vic. This podcast was produced by Dante32.